It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, your odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people who bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code TBPN. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends the 23rd of May, 2021. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming to you post-season, 72 games in the books. The Indiana Pacers, 34 wins, 38 losses, finishing ninth in the Eastern Conference and advancing to a play-in date with Charlotte at home. Uh, and it's a pretty flat end to the season. Justin, I'll start with you. It's um, it's a weird sort of feeling to be in the playing game when it's been a really uninspiring season. It's um, not gone the way that we wanted it to. A lot of injuries, a lot of missed games from our starters. Haven't seen our starters play in one game this season, our first choice team. And uh, meanwhile, we've got to win two games and we could have a date with Philadelphia where we get pumped four times in a row. It's going to be great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, you know, I've been vocal on it. Probably the one of the worst seasons I've watched as a Pacer fan, excitement-wise. Um, and, you know, we hate them using excuses. But, yes, they did have a lot of injuries. I feel like if they're healthy the whole year, um, you know, they'd maybe be around that sixth or seventh seed around that Heat-Boston area. But, you know, we can't use that as an excuse, really, because every team dealt with injuries this year. You know, Boston has got half their lineup out as well. So, um, it's the way the cookie crumbles, but um, yeah, I was just looking at the records then, Adam, and uh, somehow we've got a chance to be in the playoffs with a 13 and 23 home record. <laughs> it's it's crazy, Alex. Um, if if I'd told you at the end of the season that we would finish ninth and be in the play play in game, would you have taken that given the injuries that we've had? Mm, I mean, part of me wants to say yes because that means that we competed and the back of the bench guys did all right, but the other part of me selfishly wanted us to get a top 10 pick, which would have meant that those guys didn't play well, right? So, you know, we've been pretty vocal about that. I think that would have been the best case for the Pacers long-term. But again, obviously this is an organization which we've said many times that doesn't want to lose. They don't want to tank. Uh, so they were always going to make the play-in game for, for me. Yeah, it was pretty inevitable. I think uh, though, 
might I say that if I hear the phrase tough out over the next 72 hours, <laughs> then I might vomit. Um, it's been it's been enough tough outing over our, uh, our last umpteen years of being Pacers fans. And I think it's time to just chalk this season up to a bevy of injuries and a bad result and no crowds and a weird year and new coach, weird, you know, woge bombs about the coach and, you know, Justin, let's all just go home and get a good draft pick and reset next year with hopefully five healthy starters. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know how you two will feel in the in the greater kind of pace a nation will feel. For me personally, I feel like when this season's over, I'll probably I'll be relieved. Yeah. And you know, you always want to go as far as possible. I feel like this year, well, I'm I'm speaking for the three of us, but I feel like I just want it over. So I can, oh, okay, that year was terrible. Move on to next year. Let's hope we get a draft pick. Uh, the five starters won't be coming back together this uh, next year. I can nearly book that. So, um, yeah, it's time to refresh, hopefully build, uh, build in the draft and make a few trades. And hopefully we can, you know, look towards next year when we can maybe compete for a um, home court like the New York Knicks. You know, they're the fourth seed. They've come from nowhere. Why can't we do that next year? It's, it's interesting that you say the five stars aren't coming back because, it, you know, out of the five starters and the coach, one person has to go. Someone's either going to get traded or going to lose their job. Maybe multiple people. You know, we've discussed uh, Domas trade scenarios. We've discussed uh, Malcolm Brogdon trade scenarios. We've discussed, um, you know, Miles Turner ad nauseum. That's, you know, the most likely to get traded because of what happened last season. Um, Nate Bjorkren's clearly under a lot of pressure. Uh, we saw a woge bomb that uh, that got dropped on him a couple of weeks ago. We saw some really heated discussion between Greg Foster and Goga Badatse. Um, Alex, it looks like change is afoot again uh, in Indiana. And if it was, uh, if you're a betting man, who would you say is the most likely to leave the ball club? One of the starters or the coach? I'm still going to go with the with the starters. I just think for me, it's really really tough to make a judgment on Nate because, you know, obviously there was that Woj report and Bleacher report released that article, but multiple players and uh, uh, other people have already come out and disproven things that were said in that article. So, to me, uh, I mean, even today, uh, Fred Van Fleet said all of the stuff that they said about him in the article was rubbish, and he's talked to Pacers players about it. So. You know, it's super hard to me to, for me to gauge that situation. So I think, uh, as you said, Miles Turner is the, the most likely uh, guy who who will be traded this offseason. Weirdly, Justin, do you think Miles has improved his trade value by how badly the offense, the, the defense, has been in his absence? No, I don't think so. Like teams would look into that, um, but. Yeah, I, you know, Miles doesn't deserve to be Defensive Player of the Year. Let, let's be honest. Like, he's, he's played great, but, you know, there's no way he's someone on the ninth best team with an under 500 record deserves to be Defensive Player of the Year. Like, um, I feel like he should be on a defensive team for sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that late injury, he started the season really hot, averaging four or five blocks a game, but he tailed off near the end. Um, and it's not his fault. The team was terrible, but... Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that word of defensive party. I don't. That won't be happening. I think he was brilliant um, for most of the season defensively. I think he, um, Caitlin Cooper wrote, I think, a really good article about how the the defense is kind of funneled into Miles. I found the interesting stat 
um, in that being around how Domas has traveled more meters than any other player in the NBA on defense this season, which, you know, I think points to a very complex, but also a very, um, very distance traveled heavy uh, scheme uh, on the part of Nate Bjorkren. We still haven't seen, I guess, Domas maximize that defense though. So it's concerning to think about him being the man in the middle next season in potentially an undersized team uh, with an undersized power forward next to him. Um, Alex, if, um, if changes are made to the starting lineup, can you afford to play Domas at center unless you have a, an elite defensive forward next to him? Well, I think that's the trade-off, isn't it? If you, if you do uh, move on from Miles, you really have to get somebody who's at least above average defensively on the perimeter. And the scariest part for me is that whenever somebody came to the paces, like, you know, when Bojan came to us or even TJ Warren, I always knew like, oh, well, yeah, they might've not been good defenders before, but with Dan Burke and with the system that we have, they can become good defenders, which they did. Right. But now we don't really have that luxury. So I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit worried about that and not having Dan there and not going to not having miles potentially there to bail you out is, it's a scary thought, man. Obviously, we're scoring a lot of points lately, but the defense, it could really be bad, like even worse than it is now, which is a yeah, a tough thought. It's interesting to, to understand or note that in one of the articles regarding Nate Bjorkren, uh, it was called out that, I guess, Dan Burke was the defensive coordinator of the team and, and Nate Bjorkren hasn't chosen to have either an offensive or defensive-minded sort of head coach or associate head coach on the bench running one of those sides of the ball. Um, He's sort of taken it all up himself. And I think one of the things that this team is going to have to do is um, sell him, I guess, on the idea that, you know, you can have one side of the ball, but let's, let's get another coach in a senior coach to handle that other side of the ball. I mean, it's been written ad nauseum. Losing Dan Burke was the worst thing that could have happened to this ball club. He was extremely well respected. He, you know, carried this team to a, uh, a top 10 defense in most of the last seven or eight years. And that just hasn't happened this season. And, and Nate Bjorkman's tried to do it all. He's clearly, um, you know, uh, very much likes to be in control of the situation, which is fair enough, given the responsibility that he has, given the accountability that he showed. Um, but at the same time, you can't do it all in the NBA. There are only very few coaches that, uh, that you know, are funneled both offensively and defensively through their own brain. They, they use, utilize the, the assets they have around them. And Justin, I think you'd agree with this. We need a, another strong influence on the bench next season. Well, yeah, we, we all called it in a podcast last year. We all said Dan Burke's going to be a massive loss and people may have thought we were being a bit silly, but, um, you know, it's Philadelphia uh, like the second best defensive rating team in the league. What, what does that tell you? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I know they got Embiid and Simmons, but Dan Burke's come in and Philly have one of the best defenses in the league and now Pacers have one of the worst. We give up the most points to centres in the league. Like, it's been in this season, like, honestly, if, if you had one word to sum it up, I'd say I'm, I'm going between embarrassing and pathetic, but I'll go with embarrassing because, you know, there was that stretch we were giving up 130, 140 every game. Like, it, it, it just can't happen. As pace fans, we've all been pace fans for a long time now. Um, it is not the Indiana pace away. We're used to winning 94 to 90. Yes, the NBA has changed. You've got to score more, but... 
giving up 130, 140 points to someone like Sacramento and Washington Wizards, it's it, it's been real pathetic. And I hope a lot of stuff's happening behind the scenes that we don't really know about um, trying to fix this going forward. Because I don't know if Nate Bjorkman's the issue. I'm not sure. Alex, I know you mentioned previous players have come out and kind of futured the report, but um, I'm always going to believe Wodge. Like, he he never reports anything false. If, if, if he comes out with an article, man, he's, he's got about 10 sources who have confirmed the story. So uh, I'm going to roll with my boy. But, um, yeah, interesting to see if he stays on next year. Yeah, Woj doesn't tend to report stuff that's inaccurate. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't go with it in the first place. So he does have that respect. I want to talk about something positive. We talked about, you know, the the negativity surrounding the season. There's a couple of shining lights in the team that I want to talk about in a minute. But let's start offensively on, on the other side of the ball with Domas and, and his last month, basically, you know, averaging a triple-double, um, essentially 20, 10, and 6 on the season. Good shooting percentages aside from those three-point shots that you love so much, Justin. Um, but... You know, he had a really good all-star season. Uh, and offensively, it's clear you can funnel everything through Domas. He can be um, Nikola Jokic of the East in that way, on that side of the ball. Um, and Alex, I think we've shown or we've seen over the last few weeks with Miles being out, what the offense looks like with Domas controlling that end. And it's looked pretty potent. Yeah, it's good. Um, well, I was just going to say he's second in touches, I think, behind Jokic. So, you know, you talk about him being the East, Nikola Jokic, he's, he's done that. And um, that two-man game with with him and Karis Levert this past, past month has been uh, a joy to watch. I think Levert, uh, he missed the second half of today's game, but he was averaging like 26 coming into this game in, in the month of May. So him and Sabonis are showing you what the future offense could look like. And I know you compared it to a the early Brogdon and Domas connection, Adam, last season, right? So it's looking similar to that when Brogdon was dropping like 30 and 10 a night. Um, so, yeah, we talk a lot about defense, but the offense has been phenomenal. It has. And, you know, a couple of shining lights, Justin, I'm going to ask you, how much would you give TJ McConnell this offseason to stay an Indiana Pacer? Well, we all kind of mentioned, and so did the fans, he's probably been the Pacers MVP this season for... For output and, you know, coming off the bench, uh, you've got to keep him. A- everyone in the Indiana Pacers franchise loves him. The amount of wins he got us just off his own back. Uh, he's the only player you could actually probably say hand on heart gave effort for every single minute they're on the court. Um, you know, players hate playing against him. But he's going to become a really important offseason, you know, target. But there- there's going to be other teams chasing him. You don't think a championship caliber team wants TJ oh. McConnell coming off their bench? Yeah. I tell you, if you're someone like, uh, you know, Philly again or um, any any of the top echelon teams are going to want him. So um, I'll, I'll be really sad if he goes. Like him and Miles, I've, I've got a bit of a soft spot for both of them. If um, either one of those two leave, I'll, I'll be pretty disappointed. I think we all will be. I mean, you know, he's going to command that 8 to $10 million a year range, Alex. And I think the Pacers are going to have to pay it. Yeah, you have to. I mean... We, we've been talking a lot about Aaron as well, and he's showing you that he, he really hasn't been able to fill in that backup point guard role. He just hasn't been consistent enough. So, yeah. you know, I tweeted it out today. You look at TJ McConnell's numbers, he's doubling the next guy in total assists off the bench. He had like 430 this season, which is insane. He had 17 today. 
Um, Most steals in the league. Yeah, I was about to say he he was just behind Jimmy Butler per game in steals, uh, which is unbelievable. So, you know, him and McDermott as well, another free agent who we'll talk about, have had career best years. Although, sadly, I think McDermott will uh, get a lot more money. I'm thinking Joe Harris-type money for for McBuckets this offseason. He will. And the other thing about, um, you know, McConnell that you touched on there, he's durable. You know, he doesn't miss games. He He's there game in, game out, giving 110% effort, chasing loose balls, dropping dimes, like hitting that weird little midway, mid-range runner that he loves, <laughs> fadeaway runner, weird shot that, it, you know, he can kind of stop and, and hit that from, from the side of the, the backboard. It's unbelievable. But I, I'm just you can't understate the importance of a guy like that to this team. He, he provides, he's the definition of an energy guy, but he also provides that confidence and that maturity that the team needs. Um, and he's, he's got to be priority number one for the Pacers this off season. Uh, you know, we don't have that many guys out of contract. We're not going to be able to afford Doug with the, the money that we have committed to the starters. You have to re-sign TJ McConnell. The other guy I want to talk about, Justin, is the guy that, that will keep... I mean, we can talk about Nate Bjorkren uh, and that coaching move potentially being a bit of a mistake and, you know, is Kevin Pritchard on the hot seat? He should not be on the hot seat because he found O'Shea Brissett and he signed him and locked him in for three seasons uh, with the ability to re-sign him as a restricted free agent thereafter. Has to go down as one of the best signings in the league this year, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it, it, it does. To answer your question, yes, it does. He's, he's, it was terrific. Um, kind of gave the Pacers a bit of energy as well when it was really dull there for a few weeks. So, um, yeah, I've seen some takes on Twitter uh, throughout Pacer Nation. A lot of people ripping KP. Um, I, I, I personally don't agree with that. <laughs> like, what what's he done poorly as a player management thing. Like he he's done so well picking these players, TJ Warren, you know, um, not doing the Gordon Haywood trade, kind of pulling out of that um, when Boston offered or wanted too much. I think KP's done a terrific job. Look, the coaching hire, we'll, we'll see. Like right now, it, it's probably going down as a fail. Like let's let's be honest, you know, be, if he it has to be a fail. It has to be. Like if Bjorkram gets fired in this first season, that, you know, Questions have to be answered. Why Why did we pick him? There was obviously major issues there. So um, can understand that point of view, but I'm really interested. I know we're, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'm so on the fence if Bjorkren is a Pacers head coach next year. There's a part of me that thinks, I think Alex, you mentioned it, that they'll give him one more go. Like it, I think they'll give, you know, oh, we'll put better staff around him or, you know, he'll have a mentor type person. I will be very surprised if they kind of fire him. If they did, if they do, um, geez, it means there was a lot of stuff we don't know behind the scenes. Um, and a lot might come down to how they do in the playoffs. You know, if, if Charlotte beat us by 28 points and um, some of the fans in Banker's life are booing, then, you know, it's not going to be a good look. Maybe he does have to go. It, it's not. I, I really think that this could be the situation where the Pacers do hire a senior assistant coach that ends up doing exactly what happened in Atlanta with Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan. I think the, the cool head, the elder statesman coming in onto the bench, whether it be a Mike D'Antoni, whether it be, you know, those sort of older guys that have got a lot of experience, but still could assume the head coaching mantle if need be, because then you're, you're effectively saying, okay, you've got this guy on the bench. You need to listen to him. You need to take on that feedback. You need to 
get better as a coach and you need to use and deploy this senior assistant in a way that's going to maximize this team's results. And then if Nate Bjorkren doesn't do that, then you know you've got a ready-made replacement there should you choose to go another way. That's exactly what happened with Atlanta and that you've seen what's happened, obviously, once they've got Nate McMillan. And I can see the same thing happening um, in this offseason to the Pacers. By the way, um, wouldn't it be something if Nate McMillan lost in the first round uh, to the Knicks after, you know, the Pacers finishing top four and losing in the first round the last couple of seasons as well. But sidebar there, um, Alex, what do you think? Uh, will Nate Bjorkren survive this summer? Will he go into next season? How many more years has he got left as a Pacers coach? How many more chances has he got left to prove himself? Oh, man. It's a tough question, but I think I'm, I'm 100% with you, Adam. I think that they bring in more of a veteran guy who has coaching experience, um, as you said, you mentioned Mike D'Antoni in Brooklyn. I mean, he basically coordinates that offense for Steve Nash. And, um, you know, he's also got a couple other guys behind him. But that, that's the move for me. And also, you have to imagine if you're Kevin Pritchard and you fire two coaches back-to-back season, that's a pretty bad look, right? That's a that's a bad look on you because then you, you're basically saying you've made two bad coaching hires back-to-back. So, I mean, I, I think part of the organization will not want to will not want to do that. You know, they've looked pretty dysfunctional this season with the Greg Foster incident and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think he comes back next season, but I think he's on a very tight rope. And if they perform badly to start the season, yeah, he might be gone. Very well could be. We'll get uh, finally to this playing game. Uh, There's, you know, at least one more Pacers game left in the season, if not a couple, if not maybe six, um, because we'll get swept by the Sixers. But... um, (laughs) We start with the 9-10 matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte has had a weird season. They signed Gordon Hayward, who the Pacers coveted, who ended up getting injured. They've got a guy like Terry Rozier that's carried their team and and performed in clutch moments. They've got uh, the Rookie of the Year, in my view, in LaMelo Ball. Um, And they've got a good couple of young guys in Miles Bridges and um, PJ Washington. Um, we won't mention the center that used to play for Indiana as much as we get a lot of listeners from Indianapolis. I'm sorry. I'm not a big college fan. I don't know why everyone loves Cody Zeller so much. He's not very good at NBA basketball. Justin, I'll start with you against the Hornets. What are your thoughts? Are we going to win this game? And if we do win, who will win us this game? Uh, I actually think we'll beat Charlotte, which um, for our listeners and you two, you're probably surprised because I'm, very negative towards the Pacers a bit lately, but I actually think they'll beat Charlotte and uh, I'm tipping probably um, my favourite player for the Pacers now, Karis Levert, to step up and really take the lead of this team. Uh, he's hit big shots for us recently. Uh, you are speaking about Domas before and how good he is. I just don't think he's got that franchise player tag, whereas I think Levert maybe does in the next few years. So I expect Levert to have a real big game and the Pacers to beat Charlotte. Alex, do you agree? Yeah, I think it has to be Levert, but I'm uh, just to be different. I'll go with um, I'm going to say Brogdon. I'm going to say he comes back and has a big double double. What about you? Yeah, I think um, the key to me is uh, going to be that that guard matchup because Lamelo Ball in his first playoff game, he he's the type of player that could really sense the moment and and put in a massive performance. Terry Rozier just believes that he's the best player on the floor. I think that backcourt and those those Charlotte guards are going to be incredibly hard, tough for our guards to stop. 
Um, so that will be a really, really tough matchup. But I think I think it's Domas. I think Domas is going to beast on whoever the big man is for Charlotte, except for Bismack Biombo. He'll come on for five minutes and absolutely um, torch us as he does every other time he plays. Um, but I think Domas is the key. And I think he'll carry us to a, a signature win in his career that will, I guess, cement him as, as the best player on the floor in that uh, particular game. And uh, then we'll get smashed by Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, he's putting up historical, um, historical numbers against us. I was looking, he's averaging like something like 25, 15 and 15 against us this season or something. If, if Washington lose to Boston, Westbrook's going to get like a 40-20-20 against us in the second <laughs> game. Well, someone tagged me in something the other day. Westbrook's got the most triple doubles in his career against Indiana. Let's keep in mind, 90% of his career has been out West when he's only played Indiana twice a season. I was like, wow, that is so bad. It's insane. And also, um, please stop sending us Westbrook trade ideas, please. <laughs> Can we stop getting Westbrook trade ideas sent to us on Twitter? We like Russ. He's not really the style of player that the Pacers really covet. Although, look, for, for pure chaos, I would love to see Russell Westbrook in a Pacers uniform for a year. I think it would be hilarious to, to listen to Indiana basketball fans talk themselves into a guy that, that puts the team on his back like that. Um, but... Yeah, doesn't doesn't seem like a pace of move. Uh, look, I think we're all in agreement that we we're pretty confident against Charlotte, but not as confident against either a Boston or a Washington in that second playing game. So it looks like a ninth place finish for the Pacers. But regardless, we will look to you to come to you after that first playing game, uh, and hopefully, there's at least one more game for us to talk about. We've been the Paceroos, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.